You're listening to the Catholic Psyche Podcast. The Catholic Psyche Podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not intended to take the place of medical or mental health treatment, therapy, or diagnosis. You should always consult a trained mental health or medical professional for such treatment. Hey, you're listening to the Catholic Psyche Podcast. I'm Deacon Basil. This is Chris. And we've got two uh, ongoing hosts uh, starting with us tonight. We've got Brittany, who is my wife, and we've got Grace, who is Chris's wife. So what we'd like to do is to kind of introduce you two and uh, kind of talk about who you are. And You could give a quick hello. Yeah, that would be actually kind of nice. Hi. Hi there. Here we are. I'm, I'm eating cheese. Um, so <laughs> At least you're not cutting the cheese. <laughs> Thank you, dear. Um, so... <laughs> Brittany, maybe you can tell us a little about yourself. Um, okay, so my name is Brittany. Um, I don't have a background in counseling. I am a physical therapist assistant, um, but I do, in that vein, um, specialize in chronic pain and especially tr- uh, stress-related pain. Um, I am a Byzantine Catholic. Obviously, I'm married to the deacon. Um, Sort of awkward if you weren't. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. That would It be. does happen. And it does. I'm sure. You know. Great. Um, Grace, tell us a little bit about, a, a little bit about yourself. <laughs> After that, I hope it's not too much pressure. You Grace. bet. Yeah, for sure. So my name's Grace Josephine. Um, a fun fact about me is that I changed my middle name. So I gave myself the middle name Josephine, uh, mostly in honor of St. Joseph, uh, because he's my spiritual father. And that was meaningful for me, and my old middle name was not. So there you have it. Anyway, um, yeah, I'm married to Chris, and I am currently um, in school for mental health counseling. So I've got a little ways to go in the program, but my long-term goal is actually to do geriatric psychotherapy. Um, I really like hanging out with old people. What can I say? (laughs) I mean, honestly, they're my people. I just feel sort of like I can relate to them really well. So I don't know what that says about me, but... Both ends of the life spectrum between the two of us. We got it all Exactly. Chris works with kids. If we ever get a referral for, you know, someone right down the middle. (laughs) Middle-aged people are the worst. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) We won't know what to do with them. Yeah. But we've got the other ends covered. I think think we could co-treat them. There you go. I'd be like, okay, like I see the kid in (laughs) you. Put us together and we kind of average out in the middle. I like that. No, but I I currently work um, with elderly individuals. I do home care um, around the area. So, um, yeah, I love that. I love helping people stay in their homes where they want to be, stay independent. Um, It's good work. And yeah. yeah, I'm the born and raised Catholic. That's right. Yeah, yeah, been Catholic all my life. And uh, now we're both going to a Maronite church. We are. Yeah, which is really cool. Oh yeah, the East. The East. <laughs> we have a little bit of incense burning back here. You know, just yeah. get us in the mood, right? <laughs> um, we should. <laughs> Do you have incense? No, so we should. I have. I, I went to the Greek festival uh, mm-hmm. at the Greek Orthodox Church in Denver, which and was beautiful. Man, if you've never seen that church, you should just go yeah, look inside of it real quick. The Cathedral of uh, the Ascension. Uh, That's right. In, uh, Thank you. In the Greek Orthodox Cathedral yeah. here in Denver, which is gorgeous. I just know it as like the big golden dome. The big golden dome. Uh, that yeah. when you go on the inside, you feel like you're in heaven. Literally, the, yeah. the beatific vision. Yeah. Is it called a thurible? 
it would be a, a thurible in the in the uh, west. It would be a cadilla in the east. Oh, so yeah. I did. I bought it, an armadillo, and uh, <laughs> and I bought incense that goes with it, and some charcoal. Yeah, it's like amazing. Yeah, I mean, really cool. yeah, we have some. You know, we we use that. You know, for prayer here as well at, at home as well, and you know, it just kind of adds a certain um, mindset. But that has nothing to do with what we're going to be talking about today. <laughs> what we're going to be talking about today is Brittany and I have been married for. Seven years. Seven. Yeah. Seven almost, years. Almost seven. Almost seven, yes. Yeah. And I have loved every minute of it, and I really mm-hmm. have. And there's n- <laughs> yeah. I really have, and I'm not trying to be sarcastic in that way, um, <laughs> even though it comes off that way. Um, I've absolutely loved that. Um, and then, uh, you know, Chris and Grace, you guys have been married for... Three and a half months. Yep. Three and a half April. months. Yeah. So we're just total experts yeah. on being married. We know yeah. everything there is to know, and yeah. What we didn't, What we don't have in lived experience, we've made up in books so we brought loads and loads of books with us today to um to this recording such so it's the same thing right if you just read about it it's like you practically experience you know what i've experienced in my marriage is every time i open up a book and tell my wife how the marriage is supposed to be going (laughs) it is so hot i mean it's just it's so cool so i appreciate that um actually that's a really good tip your comment at at the end of the montessori episode of this podcast you were like, oh man, I'm, I'm like screwing up big time with my kid. It's like yeah. marriage books can be the same way. It's like, really? Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, we're uh-huh. doing it wrong. Yeah, we're doing it wrong. Yeah. So that's right. We're going to talk. Well, we're not going to talk so much about, um, you know, the, the being married for years and decades as we are the, the preparation for being married. Yeah, kind of mm-hmm. what marriage prep looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think, I think. It's important to say right out from the beginning that my wife and I were married within the Eparchy of Phoenix. That's the Byzantine Catholic, um, Ruthenian Catholic uh, Eparchy. You guys were married. You were prepared here in Denver and married elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and so marriage prep varies from diocese to diocese. Absolutely. And I think it's important to say that whatever we're talking about here might be very different. Um, I mean, in principle, it'll be the same, but it might be uh, significantly different different based off of, you know, where you might be listening to us at. So I I assume it hasn't changed that much, but maybe you guys can talk a little bit about what you guys did for marriage prep kind of on a practical way. Yeah. I mean, do you want to... From from a church perspective. So, I mean, from my understanding was that marriage prep, I mean, really the the diocese, the Archdiocese of of, uh, Denver, you know, really wants wants to invest in, in their, in the faithful adherence and the, you know, members of the church. And so a healthy, thriving church has healthy, thriving families and families, you know, need uh, a core of uh, faithful, loving and thriving husbands and wives. So, I mean, I I saw it as a real good that the church in this diocese, now I'll I'll speak, you know, from having lived in other parts of the country and on the East Coast, that some, some dioceses really don't have like any requirements in the way of marriage prep. Yeah. So it was quite yeah. surprising to see just how much the archdiocese required of us here, and then even more surprising that Grace and I decided to like do extra stuff also. But <laughs> I, I mean, I, th- I think that's fundamentally the reason. I don't. Know, do, you, do you have any thoughts on like? Absolutely. Yeah, I actually was impressed with that, with the number of requirements and some of them, um, you know, we sort of felt like we know this stuff already. But then again, when we went through it, you know, we were Mm -hmm. we were learning and we were learning new things Um, and just the experience was great. Um, Yeah. So we did, you know, we did an NFP class. Um, NFP stands for natural family planning. Thank you. Yeah. And the the modern term is um, fertility awareness method. But 
the Catholic Church hasn't quite caught up to that. That's interesting. So, I didn't know that. Actually. See, I didn't even know that. I love that. Well, Fertility it's, awareness. It's not just the uh, Catholic thing anymore. Yeah. It's really I, yeah. not. It's really not. Yeah. It's it's becoming quite popular, I feel like, all mm-hmm. over. Which is great. So, totally great. But I interrupted you. I'm sorry. Go oh, ahead. you're fine. No, that's good. Good to clarify that for people who aren't familiar. Um, yeah, so we did that. Um, we did a engaged um, encounter weekend retreat um, type thing with a lot of other couples. There were there were a lot of couples there. Um, some older married couples, kind of at all stages of their marriages, mm-hmm. um, that facilitated, and they did an excellent job um, throughout the weekend and presented on various topics and really got some good conversations going for us. Yep. Yeah, um, that there, was good. We, we had a mentor couple. Of course, yeah, that was actually one of my favorite parts. Probably yeah, they paired too. us up with this older married couple who were just the sweetest thing, and we, you know, we went over to their house and had tea with them, and just they sort of took us through the focus inventory, which maybe you guys also did. From what I understand, mm-hmm. that's actually been around a long time. And that's not the fellowship of no Catholic <laughs> Christian. It's it's a different focus. Yeah, good to clarify yeah. that as well. The focus as a, as a, it's a test, not a test, but an assessment that it you is. use. An inventory. Yeah. An inventory that you basically say, you know, you fill out all of these questions and then they're compared and you're like, oh, these are areas of agreement. These are areas of conversation yeah. for more long term. Exactly. Exactly. And it divided into different categories like, you know, faith, children, pets. <laughs> Literally, yeah. Like, everything so was on there. Yeah. So like, yeah, let's you know, if you agree on everything except that, you know, one of you really wants a dog and the other one doesn't. You know, it's that's something to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> so that was really fruitful. And actually our couple told us we did this inventory when we were preparing for marriage decades ago. So it has been around and they've said, you know, it's improved over the years, but it's definitely valuable for getting conversations going. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, yeah. What else was there? Um, we met with a priest, of course. Yep, we met with a priest. Yep. That was good. Yeah. So I mean, it was just really a lot of, a lot of steps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ours sounds very similar, with the exception of we didn't do the engaged encounter. Uh, okay. And the reason for it was purely because of me, because when I was in seminary, you know, they do the engaged mm-hmm. encounters at the seminary usually. I don't know if that's where you guys did it. Oh wow! Um, no. Oh okay. Yeah. Okay. But. Every Saturday morning, or it seemed like every Saturday, it was it was pretty regularly. I mean, I was this celibate seminarian, you know, ready for, you know, yeah, I was they, preparing for. Do, does for the it. general audience know that you used to be a seminarian? I don't know. Um, I used to be a seminarian. Well, now they know. Um, a, a, Roman, a Roman Catholic prep, prepping, prepping for yeah. Mm-hmm. Prepping it was mentioned for, in the first. Was it okay? Yeah, you so, anyways, about I, I sorted uh, past. They, they, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, so they would be sitting out on the benches outside of the uh, outside of the refectory every Saturday morning. It felt like so I would just sit there and eat my Cheerios and just stare at them out the window and it just felt so awkward for them. It was so much fun. They get they they'd feel awkward and get up and walk away. Wait, the so, couples? The couples, yeah. These were the couples that were like sitting there and like they're just, you know, sitting there and like making out or whatever. Like being they're supposed happy. to being happy, yeah. That well yeah, I, I wasn't supposed to be a celibate. Um but yeah. So that's why we didn't do the engaged encounter. Because um, you got kicked out of the engaged encounter as a celibate <laughs> seminary. <laughs> Whoa. No, that's not true. That's not true. Um. So, yeah, but ours was, you know, very similar, you know, focus. We did the focus. We did NFP. We did lots of kind of conversations. We we had a number of mentor couples on kind of different areas um, that were really helpful. Well, they they weren't assigned, but we basically, we just kind of sought them out. Oh, good for you. Yeah, that's excellent. Uh You know, so there there was one couple that worked, you know, did 
phenomenal with finance and kind of doing a lot with a little. Mm -hmm. So like we went and met with them and kind of discussed that. Nice. Um, and Mr. Really and Mrs. Helpful. Ramsey. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Uh, no, they weren't. They weren't available. But you know, um, no. the Bill and Melinda Gates. No. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then there were other couples that we respected, and, and honestly, at this point, none come to mind. But I'm sure it was really important um, what we learned from them. Yeah. So that's that's one of the things that we did. You know, I I think thinking back about this because because I was thinking about this today in preparation. I think the really important thing to say about this is that no marriage prep program is going to be able to prepare a couple in every aspect mm -hmm. of it. Um, it's fair. not realistic. It's, fair. Um, mm -hmm. it's not human mm -hmm. um, to be able to do that. And so anything that we're kind of saying here is not actually um, a criticism on a marriage prep program because it, it, it has to be much bigger. The limitations. Um, the limitations of any program. Limitations. You just can't have people sit, I mean, they can't move in uh, to the church for uh, eight months and be completely um, formed by, you know, the the someone there you know it has yeah. to be something that is is, is done so mm -hmm. you know one of the things that that we did and i know that we had talked about this a little bit is what are some of the myths kind of come up with marriage prep that um were maybe not accurate um when it came to marriage can, can we actually say something unrelated first and that i suppose that but i was kind of wondering if grace if we could talk about the the reactions of like um, you know, some of our, our friends who aren't in the church when they hear about this. Absolutely. In fact, I was oh. thinking that when you mm -hmm. said we sought them out on mm -hmm. our own, and that's mm -hmm. great that you did that. Um, but actually, yeah, when when we talk to people, oh, you know, we're doing this marriage prep in addition to planning a wedding, which most people think mm -hmm. that's the only preparation you do before right. you get married yeah. is plan this one event. Um, but no, you know, we told them we're doing all of this through our church, and everybody was jealous. They were like, we wish we had that, mm -hmm. or we wish we had that now or that we had had it you know before we got married totally. yeah. because it is very rich and despite the inherent limitations um yeah. that you mentioned it really is good to to be prepared and to attempt at least to start those conversations ahead of time it's it can like, only help and so it is good to mention even maybe for listeners who aren't catholic or aren't even a part of a faith community is that you can seek these things out to some extent on your own you know yeah. you can find a couple that you look up to that's married and say what do you guys do you know sit down and talk oh, with yeah. us yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah or or work with a therapist or so absolutely that myth number one that could be myth number one i myth, like it myth yeah. number one. so we, we i will tie it in for <laughs> well your done, sake honey. thank you well done. Uh, that myth number one is that you have to be part of this all-star stellar catholic diocese to have good marriage prep um, I, even if you are in an under-resourced diocese that doesn't have these requirements and these options, you could seek them out. Mm -hmm. You could do some of it online. And I think a good therapist who works with families and um, works with couples will be able to equip you with mm -hmm. a lot of that. Absolutely. So there's myth number one. You got hey, can, it. I, can I, I throw one in there too really quick? Yeah, for it's sure. It's not necessarily a myth about marriage prep. It's maybe just a myth that generally floats around in the environment that you have to be in serious trouble in your relationship to seek out counseling. Yes. Oh, right? 100%. Okay, do you hear me? Like, isn't that just the myth? Like, we can't go to couples counseling until we're just about ready to get divorced. It's like the last I resort. Knew, yeah. I knew a couple um, who... Um, one of the spouses, uh, the reason he didn't want to go to counseling was because um, he had a previous experience with it that did end in divorce. Oh. Mm -hmm. And so he yeah. assumed that um, 
uh, that if they go to counseling, they were going to get divorced. Like it was Aww. somehow this like yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's counseling really equals sad. divorce. And that's and that's not what it should be. And you mm-hmm. should be the going <laughs> right, right. And well, should... unless that's really what's indicated, but yeah. yeah. Well, well, yeah. well. I mean, from the research, he's actually right. Well, um, that couples that go to counseling are more likely to get divorced. But they go like six years late. Right? Exactly. So, That's so exactly one of the right. studies that is that was particularly um, important uh, for me, I think it's up actually on the blog, is that you know couples seek counseling six years after they start to see issues in their marriage, mm-hmm. and it's yeah. you know sometimes I mean as as a couples therapist that it is you know sometimes very difficult where it's like, boy. This has been six years of these ingrained patterns now, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, 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 and or even yeah. more. Yeah, 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 and 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 there there is always stuff that There's can be always done. Stuff um, there, but it, but it can certainly be there. The yeah. challenges are, are are exacerbated, and yeah, I mean, you know, Grace and I, I mean, here's a radical idea. You know, you can even seek one out before you have marriage problems. You can just Or before go, you even get, uh, get married. married. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, this is something Chris and I did. We sought out a couples counselor as part of our marriage prep. Yeah. And yeah. we actually found one. She was Christian. She was great. And she um, said that she worked with, you know, engaged couples, which was really cool. And oh, we yeah. went to her and the first thing she said to us was, you guys are doing it right. If everyone yeah. did this and did this preventative work with their relationship and with a professional, booster shot. Like, eventually her job would be obsolete because people would just <laughs> yeah. have good yeah. marriages. Like a vaccine. Right. You know like what a, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> and, and when we when we brought this up to uh, you know the table of couples we sat with at the engaged retreat, mm-hmm. um, a lot of them were like, "What? Like you went to therapy?" Yeah, they like, kind of looked at us weird. Like, gosh, you must have some pretty bad problems already. Right. Well, and and it's this idea that like therapy I feel like there's a real stigma and and a real shame around therapy like when you go to therapy it is punitive because you've done something wrong Mm -hmm. so why would you want to go to therapy and sort of like I I think a lot of people view it as punishing yourself when the reality is this is um, one of the best things that you can do for yourself that you can do for your marriage Mm -hmm. and like you guys did Mm -hmm. Um, just even going before there were issues is phenomenal you know and you know a lot of uh, men I think um, experience well you know not to stereotype but uh, I suspect this is the case that a lot of men have this cognition um, that like I can't um, be so helpless as to go to therapy I can pull myself up Mm -hmm. I can do it all on my own I'm not going to go rely on some third party who doesn't even know me it would be like admitting defeat or something weakness weakness weakness. the only thing I would just kind of say about this is if you are seeking a you know specific therapy for premarital counseling, it is kind of a specialization in couples counseling. Sure, sure. So you want someone who has experience in it before um, mm-hmm. before you, and you know that has kind of worked in that uh, area before. I sure. think I think that's pretty important. Um, and and uh, the similarities between sort of uh, the you know couples therapists are now trained on how to fix marriages that are like literally on the brink mm-hmm. um, and it can be this kind of like pull it back now they're you know you know and so just keeping that in mind if you're you know looking with a therapist and just being very open with them um, about that and you know I think a good therapist will be very honest um, right and, and and forthright about their skills and their limitations in that regard mm-hmm. yeah sure. right sure. yeah okay so there's uh, there's like at least two myths um, Deacon and Brittany any any other myths you can think of for marriage practice? I think the one myth that that really comes for me that I hear um, a lot is either a 
marriage is going to be this most inc- the most incredible thing oh. ever, mm-hmm. and it's going to fulfill all of your needs. Um, or on the other hand, depending on the experience, like marriage is the most difficult, painful thing you'll ever experience. <laughs> and, and, it never works. and it never works. Because like my parents got divorced, right. so it could never work. Exactly. 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 That's what people say. I see both. Chris's parents are not divorced. That's what people say. That's what people <laughs> right. say. That was not a self-disclosure. <laughs> I would never be so imprudent as to talk about my own life on a podcast. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Oh. You gotta cut, cut the last 15 minutes. No, yeah. but, but I think that's really, you know, really there. And, and I think it's one of those cognitions of black or white thinking. You know, mm-hmm. it's all going to be great or it's all going to be terrible. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know if you guys have experienced this in the first three and a half, year, uh, three and a half years, three and a half months. Um, <laughs> but, you know. There are days where it's the most incredible thing ever. There are days where it's... I don't think it's ever been the worst thing. I don't think I've ever been in hell well, that's when good. I've been married to you. Uh, Speak for yourself. I've been, been in the vestibule of hell. But, uh, <laughs> couples that I would describe as, as happy and healthy say that on some days it feels like the worst thing ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've sure. heard that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think, just I think, human experience. Yeah. I think I'm not being just being alive is like that. the worst thing yeah. ever. Yeah. Yeah. And just being honest and open about, um, about that I think is really important. Chris, you were going to say something. Well, if you're going into marriage with the expectation that it's going to fulfill all of your needs, then you have other work to do, my friend. Right. Yeah. Yes. Ahead of yes. time, preferably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's important to say that though your vocation might be for marriage, that you can still bring a lot of your own personal stuff. Uh-huh. I'll use, I'll censor myself um, here, but you can bring <laughs> stuff into your marriage mm-hmm. that can really um, have... Uh, bring about some some problems and mm-hmm. you know sometimes it's really helpful to spend a few months maybe even a few years working on that stuff before getting married mm-hmm. absolutely that's, that's another good point absolutely. it's not just like marriage prep really begins the day you're born yeah you're developing as a human being right like mm-hmm. you're developing into the kind of person who's able to be in a happy and healthy marriage Mm -hmm. and so that requires like requisite work that happens all throughout your life Mm -hmm. in particular i think in you know a young adulthood now we Uh have the phenomenon Uh of delayed marriage right so like on average people are getting married later it's not uncommon for people to get married into their 30s and 40s or as before it was like oh you're 25 you're an old maid like what's going on so you have a lot of time now to develop your character uh, and that should be time well spent. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're starting at marriage, pre- even if you start marriage prep and you have like a great marriage prep program, but the two of you have so many unresolved issues, you might want to consider, you know, taking some extra time to do some more work on yourself. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Save yourself a lot of headache. Well, and, and I would even encourage, so the path that I took is um, about midway through college. I formally discerned whether I was called to religious life or to marriage. And obviously, like, that's, I was a little naive thinking that that discernment would sort of end with that one summer um, (laughs) and that it wouldn't be kind of an ongoing process. But I did, um, it it was really great. I I worked with a spiritual director at the time, um, an Ignatian spiritual director. And um, he he helped me realize a lot of the things about myself that that I really could bring into marriage. And part of the reason I was there is because I was telling him like, no, I don't really like kids. Um, <laughs> I don't, there's a lot of things about like the good Catholic marriage 
Um, She's making quotes with her fingers right now. Scare quotes. Um, That's important to know that. You're right. I talk with my hands. It's really hard to do a podcast as an Italian. Um, We'll do some tracking. Yeah. Yeah. Play therapy. Like, oh, right now um, you're talking with your hands. Right. Okay, so so you didn't fit the stereotype of a good Catholic married person. I didn't, and I and I really felt like that because I was um, I was really sort of worried about having kids. I was worried about um, what what I would have to give up, what I have to give up my career and everything. I felt like you know maybe I should just be a nun. Um, and he really worked it out with me, like, no, you can't, you can't choose religious life because you don't think that you fit this stereotype of marriage. That's like, a, I'm going nice. to be a priest and because uh, women don't want to date exactly, me. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. That's not how it works. Um, and I will say from there, because that really gave me some some hope and some direction toward marriage. Nice. I, nice. Um, I was able then to form myself into somebody and to really discern um, what I wanted marriage to look like. So mm-hmm. I would kind of encourage if if you feel like there's a time and a space for a formal discernment and then you can really form yourself into um, who it is that you feel you need to be, where you feel like God is calling you. Absolutely. I love that. And that can be spiritual direction. That can be any mm-hmm. number of you know mm-hmm. ways that you kind of want to develop yourself yeah. into a well-rounded person. Mm-hmm. It can also be individual therapy. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a good one too to not mm-hmm. miss because really, you know, however long out. it takes, months, you know, a couple of years of good, you know, personal therapy can prep you for marriage like nothing else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that, that can be a really important thing for setting yourself up for success with your future spouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, we have someone here at the table who's had to do a little bit of discerning to figure out that he's called to both marriage and some sort of, uh, you know, ministry within the church. So, I mean, how did Who? that... Oh, oh. I thought, there, I, I thought I saw someone around the corner. Oh, oh right. Oh. He's wearing a monk's robe. Oh, yeah. No, what, what does that look like when you, when you have both vocations, in a sense? That's a really great question, and probably something I don't think enough about, yeah. um, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. I, I talk with clients all the time about this. One of the worst books I think that was ever published in the Catholic world wow. is The Butler's Lives of the Saints. Oh. And I'll explain why. Mm. It outlines every single aspect of the great deeds that these saints did, and that's a good thing. Mm. But it stops there. Oh, okay. And it was like, St. Jerome was kind of a jerk. Mm-hmm. Like, we have to deal with that fact. <laughs> and they just, they just don't acknowledge they that. They just don't acknowledge okay. that at all. that's fair. Um, so there's these hilarious correspondence between Jerome and Augustine. And it's like, they're, they're like insulting each other. Yeah. And it's like, hilarious. <laughs> um, but that's not in there. No. And I think what it does is we get this kind of stereotyped worldview of what marriage is based off of that kind of, you know, in the same way. Yeah, sure. The humanity is sucked out of it. Right. Mm. So when when I hear something like, oh, you're dual vocation, I, I mean, literally, that, that, that just sounds like, you know, that's just who you are. I just, it's, it's so much that I just don't even think about it. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so it's just oh, a very a kind point. of human kind of experience for me where I just am not, you know, when, when I hear, um, how did you, you know, kind of discern this? Well, there was a lot of time and there was a lot of stuff, but I, I found what was helped, what was, what made what me happy. What came naturally. It's what came sense. naturally. Well, yeah. Naturally yeah. and supernaturally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a really good point too. I mean, I heard a really nice talk once, um, by a priest on vocation that started with, 
Uh, mo- he, he started with saying, I've never been to a good talk on vocations. <laughs> and, and ended his talk by saying your vocation is, you know, the deepest desire in your heart. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not some, like, external thing. It'd be mm-hmm. almost like asking someone, like, like, how did you discern that? How did you discern to be funny? Like, humor is such a big part of your life. How did you figure that out? <laughs> you yeah. develop what's, you know, what's in you potentially to your, you know... Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and you see that and that, you know, you kind of see where you, where your gifts might be and where that, and where the, the needs of the church and the needs yeah. of your own personal life kind of, kind of match. And, mm-hmm. and so for me, you know, discernment was really just a conversation with my bishop one time and, um, you know, kind of discussing that in detail with him and saying my, my gifts, um, and I'm sure parishioners will sometimes disagree with this, but my gifts <laughs> correspond with the needs of the church right now. And is this something that we might, you know, be able to kind of move forward, forward yeah. on? So I think it's the same thing with marriage. Mm-hmm. So there's another mm-hmm. myth that discernment is this big, scary thing, or that it's some obvious, you know, sign in the clouds. Right, 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 right. Like you're, mm-hmm. like you prayed to St. Therese, um, and, and you get the roses and it's done. There it's, it's done, yeah. And the roses you got your spell answer. marriage. Right, yeah, and they spell marriage. And you, and you pray for for blue ones that have you know right. specific specific design and uh, and it ends up being purple so you assume it's you know marriage what can i tell a weird thing can you tell a weird thing I, if it's too weird, weird we'll, cut it, we'll cut it out you can yeah. tell perfect a okay you can totally cut this um but i will say like i had once i discerned that i was called to marriage I did have this like running list in my mind of who I was looking for. And I always kind of figured, we'll aim for like 75% of the list. I'm not gonna get 100% of the list. Sounds reasonable. So I met Basil when he was a seminarian. We were working a camp together and I had sworn off love that summer um, because I was working with seminarians. It was gonna be perfect. Of course. So I was already out, like I was, I was, I was gone. I didn't want to be the guy that just left the seminary. So I was like, okay, well, I just won't say anything during the, during the summer program. Oh, right? but you'd already decided. Oh yeah, I was gone. Okay. Okay. But, um, I, uh, so I had this mental list and we had a conversation and he hit, he like ticked every single box that was on the list, like to the obscure stuff, like had like an education background in literature and music Nice. and, um, all these, all these different um, different things that were on there. I, I, I was detailed. You did not play the fiddle, <laughs> so you didn't hit every single box. Rats. I know. There's I still, still time. I, there's yeah, there's still time. Still 99%. <laughs> that must have been one heck of a conversation. I know, and I was really mad at the Lord afterwards. I was like, you would do this. You would do this and send me to camp all summer with Aww. a guy who's going to be celibate. Um, Dang it! <laughs> but but you know sometimes sometimes signs are there. I thought that was a cute sign. Well, and that's I think really I think that, great. I, I think that's that. also a good point. Is that just because it was my experience does not mean it's going to be everybody's experience, and that's exactly what I'm trying to you know, mm-hmm. kind of Absolutely. get at here. Is that like Absolutely. Mm-hmm. it is it is a kind of normal thing. Mm-hmm. That list was a normal everyday kind of it thing. Was. It, it wasn't was. an angelic experience, you know, no. of, of the angels coming and handing you the list you know it was whatever I mean, whatever the heck i'm talking about right now but you know that that it's a normal kind of thing and those were you know that, that i hear what you're saying and i i like what you said earlier deacon about how you pretty much just tried to figure out what makes me happy mm-hmm. right. what's going to make mm-hmm. me happy and it can be as simple as that mm-hmm. 
I like I like that for a few reasons. One is because there's something very magnanimous about that. Like you made this yeah. list that was not compromised. Well, you were willing to compromise a bit, but like, like on the fiddle, that was you know, not a deal breaker. Well, I feel like I really like I feel like I've got work to do. I gotta go look some some fiddle teachers up here. But <laughs> go ahead. it has to be fiddle. Uh, yeah, not just violin. Not fiddle. just violin, yeah. but like you know, you, you also you want to. Um, I gotta be careful how I phrase this because like, you you know what I mean? Like you can go kind of, you can take these things too far or misinterpret them. You don't want to settle when you're finding someone. Mm -hmm. You really don't. You want to find someone that you're really in love with Mm -hmm. and that like you really feel like you are just, you're supposed to be with this person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and know that you can delude yourself into thinking that there's that absolutely 100%, you know, that, that person that matches that was absolutely everything on hey, that Hey, there's list. our next myth. That was my caution. That was it. That was it. That was it. 100%. That's the next myth. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, it's a body emergency. What number are we on for uh, myths? I don't know. I don't know what Is that four or five, maybe? In any case, we'll there's the myth. Then. You're going to well, find Why don't we just say perfect. seven and, and, right. and just, yeah. you know, and, and people can count them and, yeah. and correct us. There's <laughs> no perfect person out there in the world. Right? <laughs> there's no perfect person. And also, you don't have to settle. Both yeah. of those things can mm-hmm. be true. I love it. Both mm-hmm. of those intention is really where you find, mm-hmm. find the right balance. Some of those practical things that you guys maybe learned in that therapy mm-hmm. um, and some of the stuff that I've worked with and the things that Brittany and I have, have mm-hmm. discussed... Um, as kind of the practical aspects of, of uh, marriage that can be kind of worked through mm-hmm. um, before uh, before going into to marriage. Mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Gracie, would you mind if I do? I did three quick book recommendations, and Please. then you can launch into Please. EFT. Yeah. So we were we did our extracurricular reading, um, and I have three with me here on the table that they're all so different and they're all super good. Um, the first one is. A book called Boundaries in Marriage, which is like a pop psychology book by two Christian counselors, Cloud and Townsend are their last names. And it's a really good breakdown of the basic concept of boundaries, um, taking ownership over your own stuff, not projecting it onto your spouse, and you know, setting appropriate boundaries when there's you know potential for real some serious marriage transgressions and just in general to keep a structure that's healthy right for mm-hmm. both of you for so many people boundaries are this like flimsy thing where it's like i don't know i don't know how to say no to other people mm-hmm. i don't know how to um ask for my needs to be met like mm-hmm. i don't even know how to say like hey like honey can i have this i don't know like where am i going with this people some people can close themselves off so much maybe, that's right maybe even in the name of boundaries where it becomes oh, less yeah. of a boundary more of a wall oh uh-huh. that's a good that's a you good know one. what i mean they're that, supposed to have yes. doors in them that's a good point yeah. one of the things we like from this book is that takeaway that when you're um talking about you're kind of arguing or talking about some event something that didn't go well avoiding the language uh, he made me she made me this uh-huh. made me feel angry especially made me feel made me That's feel or made one. me do yeah. made me do in particular it's like mm-hmm. no no one you know you you control your own response to external events and so even if someone else has done something objectively annoying you, you can be in control of that response you don't go giving other people you don't go abdicating that free will and giving them all your agency by saying they made me feel annoyed mm-hmm. the next book is marriage and orthodox perspective by father john Meyendorf. so that here's one for our all, 
all zero of our Orthodox listeners so far? No. Uh, no, we'll we actually have, have a few, actually. Oh, That's my good. gosh. Yeah. I love it. So they know what I'm talking about. This is a beautiful book on the theolo- the practical theology of marriage from an Orthodox perspective, but so much of it would also apply to an Eastern Catholic perspective. Mm-hmm. There are some beautiful passages in this book about like the spiritual union that is marriage, its rich sacramental foundation, and its connection to the Eucharist, stuff that you don't always find in other books. I love how that book um, discusses the marriage liturgy, by the way. Mm-hmm. So we didn't read this before marriage, but reading it afterwards, um, we had we had a, a Byzantine divine liturgy for our marriage, but I was Roman Catholic before. Um, and so um, that book really illuminated um, what that book really illuminated what uh, what was going on in the liturgy and what that had to do with uh, with marriage. Right, because they, they look pretty diff- uh, excuse me, similar. Byzantine Catholic liturgy and the Byzantine Orthodox liturgy. Well, they, they'd be identical yeah. in this case. Yeah. 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 Basically, I mean, basically. the kind of practice might change just slightly in, in different ways, but as far as, you know, we, if, if you want to know what a Byzantine wedding looks like, just watch um, the wedding scene from my big fat Greek, what, Greek wedding. Um, and, <laughs> really? Yeah, that's totally really? it. That's the crown. It's mostly that. Yeah. Off, but mostly, right. yeah. yeah. So check it out. Yeah. Check it out. Wow, go you figure. Know, you know what a Western wedding uh, mass looks like? See Princess Bride. <laughs> <laughs> so oh no, 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 no. Buttercup didn't even want to be there. She did not want to marry the guy. Like, anyway. Bad anyway. Yeah, bad bad bad. yeah, yeah. And then book number three is a uh, apostolic exhortation by Pope Francis called The Joy of Love, or Amoris Laetitia. It's really amazing. And... Um, goes in such great detail um, into like an analysis of love, of marital love. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have like very deep scriptural exegesis and also it's very practical as is true to Pope Francis form. Mm -hmm. Um, Things, you know, things in this text just really hit home and kind of a lot of it was what you were talking about, Deacon, is like disabusing us of this idealized, romanticized and ultimately unrealistic version of marriage. Mm -hmm. Talking about the nitty gritty ins and outs of actual Christian marriages, what they look like and how they can be better. Right. And a lot of time, I mean, I think we should just say there is a kind of a lot of conversation around um, Amoris Laetitia as far as, you know, there's kind of a, um, a there's discussion around it. There's discussion around uh, it. And, and I think the imp- there's controversy. Thank, that's the uh-huh. word. Thank you. There's controversy around it. And I think the important thing to say is that controversy came from one footnote. Um, yes. uh-huh. And the problem, I think, with it is that everybody fixated and only talked about that one footnote uh-huh. to the detriment, to the detriment of what like several hundred other pages yeah. honestly and, and it sure. really is beautiful yeah I and mean, so I think yeah. you know read the rest of the document in addition to you know the footnote and then yeah. read the controversy and discuss the controversy yeah. uh, can I read a short passage from this yeah, if we want we can cut it do. out but just to kind of show you the beauty this might be my favorite part I'm not kidding. I really love this okay <laughs> it's short I promise so Pope Francis writes After the love that unites us to God, conjugal love is, quote, the greatest form of friendship. And there he's actually quoting Thomas Aquinas, uh, end quote. It is a union possessing all the traits of a good friendship. That is, concern for the good of the other, reciprocity, intimacy, warmth, stability, and the resemblance born of a shared life. So is that a lovely description of marriage or what? You know, you That's have beautiful. all of those elements there. 
I, I just, I was really moved by that when we read it. I was moved by the fact that every uh, other page cites Thomas Aquinas. So <laughs> I, I know, you liked that. Surprisingly <laughs> Thomistic document. We played this fun Father. game where Chris would be reading aloud. We read this aloud to each other, and he'd be reading aloud, and he'd read a quote, and he'd say, guess that author. And every time I won, because it was always Thomas it's Aquinas, always and Tom, I knew. Always from the Summa. <laughs> they, they read aloud to each other? Oh my gosh. Yeah, we have a weekly reading night. <laughs> so it's part of what keeps us going. Dude, I can get on my really soapbox cute. about that. Reading That's aloud really is a lost art. Yeah. It's That's my true. favorite pastime in the world. Mm -hmm. And when Chris and I started dating, we initiated a weekly reading night where we do. We just read aloud to each we other. We alternate like heavy and light things. Like sometimes we'll read like really hardcore philosophy like Edith Stein's um, Finite and Eternal Being. Mm -hmm. But other, but we just recently finished reading Wind in the Willows together, which Aww. is like a kid's yeah. It's, yeah. it's a really Mr. special time. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah. Highly recommend it. So, Deegan, I see that you have a couple books on the table as well. Absolutely. I, I, I love referring books, so um, it's what I do. So the first one that um, we actually did read um, in marriage, uh, before marriage, was um, St. John Chrysostom uh, and his um, On Marriage and Family Life, his, basically his, his homilies on marriage and family life. Um, Chrysostom means golden uh, tongue or golden throat. Um, he wow. was the great, the great preacher um, of the early church, um, and they're just absolutely gorgeous things. And... And I mean, certain passages in there are incredibly applicable to today. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, there's this one Thomistic psychotherapy book that I read um, years ago that said, you know, the human heart keeps beating on even if every other aspect of the world um, changes. And so wow. just because it was, you know, several hundred years old doesn't mean that it doesn't um, have all the applicability to us today. He, he even talks about things like, Stop fixating so much on spending so much money on your reception. It's not going to matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter in the long run. Just That's make sure amazing. you're marrying the right person, right? Like yeah. they're worried about that. Four hundred years. That's no, so funny. That's a saint. You heard it from the golden mouth. The golden mouth. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. The other two that um, I think are really important, and I refer these to people probably three, three, four times a day. Um, the, the and they and they represent the the two schools of thought um, in couples counseling that are um, really the ones that are, are, are the big heavy hitters right now. And that's the Gottman method and and then the emotionally focused therapy, which is EFT is how we, we kind of talk about that. So from the Gottman method, um, the seven principles of making marriage work. It is just based off of decades of research. The love lab. Actually, you know, getting in there. The love lab. It came out of the 70s. Um, so some of their names are kind of like, okay. They would like hook people up to like... All sorts of contraptions. No, like pulse yeah. oximeters. Pulse, yeah. pulse oximeters, yeah, mm -hmm. it's not weird. But, um, you know, <laughs> that they would do those kind of things. And and actually, you know, that's the kind of therapy that I do with couples even today is, is the Gottman method. And the other one that I think is really important is Hold Me Tight by Sue Johnson, which is the emotionally focused therapy. And it kind of brings in the emotional side to marriage in a big way that is just so important and just so um, sometimes lacking. And, you know, Sue Johnson says at one point in one of her trainings, like, we basically took the emotion out of couples marriage therapy sometime. And it was why? just like this crazy, like, why did we do that? Honestly. Um, yeah. I think John Gottman is the same way. You know, yeah. they, they play off each other and, mm -hmm. and, they, and they overlap really, really nicely. And they also have 
contradictions oh, and, sure. and disagree. It's, it's really fun. There's a there's a video of them presenting together, and you can see them be like, back and forth. It's hilarious. Yeah. Well, so. I mean, Grace, you you really latched onto the EFT stuff, emotional focus therapy. I'm wondering if you can like, talk about Absolutely. why what what about it appealed to you, and why is it important for couples doing marriage prep to learn about EFT. Yeah, for sure. Although I wouldn't call myself the spokesperson. In fact, I like I don't even know if I know what those contradictions are because I largely equate them in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we got a lot of great handouts from that couple's counselor. Yeah, I see a few of them That's right when here. we did our marriage prep, and they were, I think, mostly from Gottman's work. Um, but a lot of these principles are probably pretty similar. This is Sue, jo- uh, Sue Johnson, I think. Okay. Yeah. So this, this handout I'm looking at, it just um, talks about core needs, essentially, um, and that's a huge principle in both of these modalities it's basically um, core needs are what it's all about so the only way I can explain that is to say like when a couple has a fight um, and they're fighting about something you Close, name it money time vacation any of that stuff they're not actually fighting about that they both think they are but they're not they're actually fighting at a deeper level uh, they're being motivated by these feelings that are being motivated by trying to get a core need met or feeling like mm-hmm. that core need in particular is being threatened or or you name it so some examples of these core needs are like connection mm-hmm. okay feeling important feeling respected, um, feeling valued, uh, all of these things. So these are are what it boils down to in the end. So for example, just to make this really um, practical, you can imagine a scenario, right, where a couple's out um, shopping, they're just kind of browsing around, Um, the wife is there just browsing through um, and taking her time, and the husband is maybe trying to rush her and say, okay, we gotta get going, you know, let's not spend all day in here. Um, now, take a look at this from each of their perspectives, right? From the wife's perspective, she's just trying to spend time with her husband. You know, she, here she thinks they're having a nice Saturday, they're spending some leisurely time together, and he's trying to rush her out of the store. I can't, I can't believe she, uh, it's so weird to me that he wouldn't love shopping all right, all right. <laughs> that's enough from the peanut gallery <laughs> the point is the wife feels rejected so she's gonna probably feel a little irked with her husband and you know say something uh, a little bit like you know why are you always rushing me out of the store what's the big deal mm-hmm. well, whatever um now look at this from the husband's perspective maybe he is um, genuinely concerned that um, their finances aren't in great shape and he's, he's worried that they're spending too much money and so uh, for him that's really what's motivating his his disposition of let's get out of this store it's not that he's rejecting his wife although that's the way she perceives it mm-hmm. so there's a lot going on there but if we were to boil it down you could say um, for the wife there her core need is basically connection for the husband his core need is basically safety security yeah. it's security and if they were to be able to uncover that yeah. in the moment or maybe later after the fact it would be so helpful prevent future fights right prevent because it's not just fights. about this one you know outing this one Saturday morning at the mall. This is about core needs, and if there's a miscommunication about core needs, then this fight is going to play out over and over again. Absolutely. Definitely. 
it's not about what you're fighting about. It's about everything else. Absolutely, yeah. which is uh, so amazing uh, and can just diffuse a situation when you can both kind of realize what we're fighting about here isn't really what's at issue. And if each person can really get down to that and communicate what their core need actually is in that moment and communicate it, you know, and hopefully be received yeah. well by the other and kind of let that be addressed between them, it's amazing. And I'll tell you, 100% of the time, this will happen. The whole fight just dissipates. Yeah. It's like, what were we <laughs> fighting dis- about again? Yeah. I don't even yeah. care. We can stay in this store. We can leave. I don't care because you got what you needed. Yeah. It requires some insight and some introspection. I, I think that's very difficult speaking from so many years past the honeymoon phase. Mm-hmm. I think the insight and introspection can be a little bit difficult in the heat of the moment. Um, but it is good to know that, to know that. Um, maybe I'm feeling really um, heated about this issue right now, and I think that it's about um, him nagging me in the store, nagging me to get out of Target, whatever it might be. Um, <laughs> no. That's uh, the fluorescent lights, right? Thank you. <laughs> thank you. That's exactly it. That's your core need. I just figured it out. <laughs> it's the to be in natural lighting. Yeah. But, but the dollar section. Hello. I don't well, need on the other hand, I'm all about the del- I, that's where I buy all my music therapy supplies. Yeah, I got yeah. this little felt yeah, feelings but, wheel. You can yeah, I saw feeling. that. Yes. But that's your job, Chris. That's your job. <laughs> Let's but, remember that this was a hypothetical yeah. scenario oh, oh, yeah, that yeah. I introduced oh, right, right. here. So, yeah, so, but but if if you can, so we learned this great phrase, and I think it it's to your to your mom's credit. She I think she was the one who taught us this by her example, actually. Um, but when you're fighting to be able to say, and I think this goes back to the idea of just of, of feelings, not negating feelings, not negating emotions, to just say, this might not be fair, um, this might not be right, but I feel this way. And, and I find that that's also very disarming when you can't really get to um, that place of introspection because everything else feels so overwhelming. Yeah. Nice. Sure, sure. Nice. I like that. Yeah. And that's ultimately what you want is you want to validate each other in those mm-hmm. feelings. Mm-hmm. So we, we've touched on so much, but I hope that we've left our listeners with some ideas about how to do marriage prep and also uh, hopefully not with too much of a sense of despair for our, if our married listeners think I didn't do this stuff during marriage prep, it's never too late. Oh, it, no. it really isn't. And, and I think, you know, one of the quotes that we have on our practices website um, is from St. Basil, um, and it says, "There's, it's, there is always time. There is always time for perseverance. There is always time oh, to change." That's beautiful, nice. and I think that's really right. what it's all about. Is that you know, there's always time, mm-hmm. and um, I've seen miracles happen yeah. in there marriage. There's no other way to put it. Yeah. Um, Praise and, God. And so I think it's it's really important there. So yeah. if you like what you hear, <laughs> go ahead and uh, give us a like or give us a review. Look us up. If you have any questions for our Monday show, feel free to give us a uh, qu- uh, look us up on catholicpsyche.com. Under the contact us, you'll see a uh, form, and we'll go ahead and answer those on our Monday show. Sure. And then we will see you next time on the Catholic Psyche Podcast. Adios.